Birds with Friends is brought to you by Game Time. Your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. It is an easy, easy two-tap checkout. All you got to do is download the Game Time app. So head to the App Store and Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. to your mother it's time for another episode of birds with friends just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the eagles eating teams like bacon steaks and cheese it's philadelphia bowen shielding the cut kicking it cooler than two penguins till bows old arch nemesis greg cosell shows up and it gets real pull up a branch and chill it's time to get ill with some birds with friends the early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends bowen for party you coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings. I'm going to have the rest of my life with these kids. Wow. Get, we got to get that in a drop uh, immediately. Let's edit that one out. That didn't come out quite There's no editing. No, no editing yeah, on this that's podcast. That's the wonderful of Birds with Friends. No editing. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends. I am Bo Wolf, joined by Shil Kapadia and Zach Berman on the heels of the trade deadline with the Eagles making a huge splash. Howie Roseman does it again, bringing in Gennard Avery for a 2021 fourth-round pick. All the problems are solved, and the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Is that your read, Shiel? Well, I'll admit to not knowing much about this guy. I was schooled by you guys and also... uh, Fran Duffy posted some clips, which, you know, when you have that instant impression by like the, you know, just the flash plays and either you're like, wow, I see nothing here. Or you say, well, that's, that's kind of nice. I, I thought it was kind of nice. The, the, the clips that he was posting looked like an explosive athlete who can uh, maybe rush the passer a little bit. But you can but uh, you can be forgiven for not knowing him if you are a national writer and he has only played two games this year. Yeah, I mean, I just started being a national writer in I mean. August. So, yeah, I wasn't uh, doing this. Um, last season. So it was an underwhelming trade deadline across the league. I will say, I don't like this whole, like sort of, uh, you know, chastising the fans for being disappointed in situations like this. Like, uh, you know, I don't know who was spreading the stuff, but it, it sure sounded like there were members of the Eagles organization who to their, uh, national, media buddies were saying, Hey, you know, we might be doing something. And so the word got spread and something fans fun. got excited. Something fun on national. I mean, the quote was something fun, and that was from the Eagles. So that's not something where, you know, unless the Eagles are calling other teams and saying, okay, we're trying to do something fun. Uh, I don't think, I think it usually gets communicated. So uh, I can understand fans' uh, disappointment, and I I don't think we should uh, sort of chastise them for that. The flip side to that, though, is that I have seen the reverse uh, chastisement of national reporters by the fans for, uh, you know, reporting discussions that never materialized into actual trades like if they, if that's what they're reporting that's fine that's their job yeah i can go either way on that one oh, okay i mean if you're yeah if you if you i feel like the rule and you know zach was at his uh 
alma mater talking journalism, <laughs> I'm sure, last weekend. So maybe he can be better about it. But I think one rule that we should teach that all our young journalists should uh, adhere to is like before you report something, like think about the source, think about how, you know, your audience, all those different things, and then decide whether it's worth putting out there. Don't just fire off a tweet to fire off a tweet and get some engagement. Oh, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, Zach, what did you make of the Eagles' explosive trade deadline? Well, if you look at the Avery trade in a vacuum, I, I'm always an advocate of getting edge rushers. So yeah, I, I let's, think that's let's, important. Let's dig Obviously. in here. Let's dig into yeah. the Gennard Avery uh, trade. Yeah, so it was tell, special. yeah, give some background <laughs> for so, people like me who didn't know who he was. Yeah, so he was a linebacker at at Memphis. Um, has has some. Uh, the Eagles are going to play him at defensive end. He's probably going to be a a sub package pass rusher. And, and he played. I mean, he it, mostly played defensive end for the Browns last year too. So it's not it's not a it's not just a position change. Sure, sure. Now, now he he's been considered a linebacker with the Browns this year, um, but. Uh, my objection to the trade is is this. It's not like you traded for Clowney or like a, a surefire starter. What you traded for was uh, a an an upside, you know, a, a young upside edge rusher. And that's essentially who you drafted last year with Josh Sweat. That's who you drafted this year with Sharif Miller, both of whom are fourth round picks. Uh, you took Josh Sweat over Avery they, last they, year. They literally chose Josh Sweat over Jannard Avery a year and a half ago. 20 picks exactly. ahead of him. Like they were yeah. both on the board and they took Josh Sweat. So when I asked Doug Peterson last Friday about Sharif Miller, um, Doug's point was that they have a lot of defensive ends. There's, there's, there's really not room to play him right now. That was your fourth round pick this season. Uh, I I understand that you can bounce a defensive end inside. Maybe they're not thrilled with the way Curry's playing, and Curry plays fewer snaps. I don't know what the plan is going forward. I can't imagine I'm just they're saying, thrilled with the way Curry's playing. Yeah, I'm I'm just saying that Josh Sweat and Sharif Miller are two players who you would, uh, at least in theory, want to see more from. Uh, and they just traded for a guy who's probably of that same profile. A, de- a, de- a young developmental edge rusher. It, this is not Clowney or, or a player who has significant starting experience. So I, I just wonder what that kind of means for your two most recent fourth round picks. So my first thing is, you know, in terms of as a player, he is compared to those other guys, he is more accomplished. You know, he had four and a half sacks for the Browns last year, started uh, four or five games, I think. Uh, so he has a he has a better track record than those other two guys. But if you're talking about value, I mean, this is a guy who is so far in the Browns' doghouse that he has only played two games this year under this new defensive staff. And you're trading, I mean, just very da- down the line, you're trading a fourth round pick for a guy who was a fifth round pick a year ago. Like that, mm-hmm. that that's not like that's not value. You can't pass up. You can't tell me that you're you're getting a great deal. On this guy, especially knowing that like the Browns don't value him very highly, so uh, this is not like you know how he gets a steal. This is they're throwing resources at a position that matters, as they should. Like uh, we talked about it the other day, I think that you know a, a uh, an impact pass rusher is the second biggest need on this team right now. And you know, Vinnie Curry has not been good. Josh Sweat has shown a little bit, but 
if this guy can bring a little bit of juice off the edge, that's something this defense needs for sure. But are they going to give him that chance? Is he going to like? Is he going to even be given a chance to to really make a significant impact? I don't uh, like. This seems like a player worth taking a, a gamble on because of the the upside at the position. But I don't love this deal, and it is like the Eagles once again just being very flippant with real uh, draft capital. Yeah, and I think two more things I would add to that. One, you're absolutely right about the compensation. I mean, he was a fifth-round pick, and then he was in the team's doghouse. And I know one point we make all the time is that the team trading these guys, like everybody else is at an information deficit. You know, you can do all the homework you want. And I know it was just last year they did uh, their draft work, but like they've had the guy in the building and, you know, maybe the Browns don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. You can certainly make that point, but like they know more about this guy than you do. And they're trading him, uh, you know, around higher than they selected him. So I, I think you have to sort of, be cautious there. You know, remember like the Zach Brown signing, right? And everyone's right. like, whoa, you know, like, oh, baby, how he does it again. Oh, man. Yeah. And then the guy's not even on the team uh, midway through the season because other teams had information too. And there was a reason he wasn't signed. And that's how things work out a lot of the time. And then the other thing, which, which I think you guys mentioned is, uh, you know, DFOP Ed, Ed mentioned that, uh, you know, Jadeveon Clowney, Right. The Seahawks got him for a third round pick exactly. and a, a couple and a couple backup linebackers. I mean, you know, and so you're you're trading a four and they're going to get, you know, that they're in line to potentially get yep. the comp pick for him or, you know, they can they kind of have first dibs on extending him. And Absolutely. so you sort of you pass on a deal like that. And now, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, a fourth round pick for a guy who's not playing at all. Now, maybe it'll work out. Maybe they'll be laughing in a year and then we'll say, wow, you know, they really did their homework and you knew what they were getting uh, with that guy. But as we've said before, you can only judge it based on the information you have at hand. Uh, you know, it's not it's not going to kill them, you know, giving up a, a fourth round pick. But, uh, you know, as we've discussed, picks are important especially when you're paying the quarterback uh, a lot of money, you need to kind of accumulate those. And so I, I think it's fair to question it from that perspective. I think that's fair. Uh, I think that's exactly right. Now you, like you're betting, you're basically you're betting on the Browns not knowing what they're doing, which historically is not a bad bet, but generally a pretty good bet. Right. But, <laughs> but that's like, that's, that's really the only way that this trade is going to work out. Right. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, it is, Maybe you discount it a little bit because it's a it's a 2021 pick instead of a 2020 pick, but I think the Eagles have played the reverse game in the past, like uh, trying to take advantage of people devaluing the uh, you know the future marshmallow. Uh, but you know the Eagles do have right now they're scheduled to have 10 picks in this upcoming draft, assuming that they don't release Andrew Sandejo in the next week, uh, which is not bad. But uh, by the way, this is one of my notes from your post game pod. Okay. You know you said. Uh, you said it would send a bad message to the locker room. You know, you're in the in the division race, which generally I would say it's true. But, you know, the locker room might be like, thank God, this guy's not going to well, yeah. injure me. Avante Maddox I have, is like yeah, I have a couple of weeks too late. Healthy. At least the defensive players have to be, you know, and, and the offensive players in practice. They have a their chance. Their injury risk, you know, uh, improves, I think, if you do get rid of them. Well, my understanding is that it has to be done before the. Uh, but before the, the Friday or Saturday of Week 10. So if the Eagles want to keep this streak going of uh, releasing a defensive starter, they can start Sendejo on Sunday, release him on Monday, and that's four weeks in a row. 
And they get there the and they'll get the fourth round comp pick back. Pretty exciting stuff. I also would have traded Vitae today. Well, I, I would have traded. Yeah, Vincent. really. I think that what is. Are they I'm, doing? I'm glad you said that because I think that is the next topic. Like, you want to tell me that? Well, we, you know, there are there are all these things about how you know Robbie Anderson, the Jets wanted a second round pick. Obviously, that is an insane price. Uh, so you should not pay that. And there are like most of these guys. I think it was the prudent thing for the Eagles to not be paying the asking price. But if this is a seller's market, you couldn't get you couldn't get something for Vitae. I agree with you there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I would have traded him during the summer. I understand if you take a step back why you don't want to because uh, you you didn't know what Brandon Brooks' status was going to be, and he was the backup guard. He, he, so, and the argument I hear now is that, well, what happens if Brooks goes down or if Siamalu goes down? And my answer to that is like, if, if Matt Pryor is not ready to play right now, then What's what are you here? developing him for? This yeah. is like the second year of his contract, you know? I think that's exactly right. Yeah, I agree. So uh, I would have dealt Vitae. I also don't like this idea of trying to hold someone because you're going to get a comp pick back because what if you want to be aggressive in free agency? You know, what I, if I the totally agree with this. Right for like the way that Super Bowl team was, was built was in part – Brandon Brooks or Rodney McLeod in 2016 free agency. Alshon Jeffrey in 2000. Alshon Jeffrey, Nick Foles in 2017 free agency. Um, so I I look at it like uh, don't just keep talking about comp picks number one and 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 try to get some value now. You already have eight eight games of him this year, and Matt Pryor should be ready to be your backup guard if something was to happen to to your starters. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And this has gone from and then I have to issue this is like a, a thing that I feel like I have sort of learned over the last year through the Golden Tate experience. Yeah, maybe it's a Mia culpa, but Moa. it went from it, Moa, whatever. No, Mia, <laughs> give me a break. Uh, it went from no one paying attention uh, media wise or fan wise to comp picks to now everyone being obsessed with it. But you're right. I mean, you you only get that pick if. Like there are a lot of factors and yeah, the one is all right. If you want to go sign people, well then it's going to cancel out that pick. The guy has to stay healthy. Right. I, I don't know what, what of this I've said because it sort of got cut off. At, at yeah, weird, this is a, this is a recut. So, okay. Yeah. The guy can't get suspended. You know, he's got to stay healthy. If the guys, if the, if the team signs the guy, then says he's not very good. We're going to cut him. Like we saw with Jordan Matthews, then you don't get it. So there are a lot of these things. And so I think if you are in a situation where you were offered a trade for Vitae, you know, at the deadline that was comparable to what you think you're going to be able to get via a comp pick, then you do the deal because you're getting it a year earlier and it's a sure thing as opposed to all those other qualifiers. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe we are overrating Vitae and like there was no interest in him at all league wide. But I find that do I the find Browns that, just hate him. The Browns must they just must hate just him, right? hate him. Right. By the way, <laughs> could you have just done Vitae for Avery? Well, that's the thing. That's why they yeah, must hate him. They, right. Yeah. Like. It's weird. I, I mean, they, I, think, I think there's no doubt that they, that they misjudged this uh, all along the way. And I, I think they're thinking a lot about, uh, about this, this backup guard situation. I really think that's a part of it. Mm. Well, maybe that's – I mean, who knows? Well, well, I guess we'll see how it plays out, but I think that that is a, a bad decision by the Eagles. Agreed. Uh, do you – I mean, uh, we talked uh, Sunday uh, about – just in general, their approach to the deadline. Do you think that 
uh, other than the Avery thing, that they did the right thing by staying pat? Do you think they should have overpaid for, you know, a speed receiver or, or a middling cornerback? I don't. No, I, I absolutely do not. I, I don't think that they should have maybe spread the word that they were going to do something fun and then not do something. But yeah. in, in, in the end, I don't think that I would have been much more harsh with my criticism if they were, if they actually gave up something of value for one of these guys. Yeah. If, if there was a player who fit the profile of someone who's going to be a starter on next year's team, I wouldn't have objected to it so much. Uh, but I agree with what she was saying that at four and four, you kind of need to be honest with yourself. I think you liked your team coming into the season. The only guy who is really out for the whole year is Malik Jackson. Um, so I, I think you roll with what you have. You hope that some of your young guys improve, but you don't borrow from the future for the chance to be for like the difference between say nine and seven and 10 and six. Um, if you, if you were seven and one, I would view it differently, but at the stage they're at now, I think you just trust what you have. The one, the one area where I thought they might uh, pay up for, and I kind of changed my tune on this after thinking about it. At first, I thought cornerback didn't make sense because, you know, you got Mills and Darby back. You're getting other guys healthy. But as I was thinking about it, if it was someone who was signed beyond 2019, yep. you know, Mills and Darby are both free agents at the end of the season. So that's almost like internally, if you're having discussions about, hey, you know, we're going to go out and sign somebody, another different cornerback in free agency and you know we're not going to stick with one of these two guys then i could kind of see them uh making a move like that but uh even still i I think you probably want to hold on to those draft picks and it would have had to be somebody who was young like the the darius slay idea i thought was was not a good one the guy's 29 years old uh that's that is like precisely the player they should not be going after no jalen ramsey would have been the 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 perfect player yes might have Uh, been but the flip side now, I, I so I think that it's right that they didn't necessarily uh, make a mistake by not doing any of these moves. But but what it does mean is that they miscalculated some things in the off season. It was not a good off season uh, looking back for the Eagles, and really at the time bad. we could have said we could have said that. Uh, but and in terms of this team heading into the second half of the season, what it really means is that you know they better be right that Deshaun Jackson's going to come back and like it be himself and play in a few games. Because if not, you know, we've, we've talked about Matt Collins has been out there three straight games as a, as a uh, starting caliber player playing at least 50% of the snaps, not a single target. So they, like, they need some help on the outside, and it better be coming soon. I have to say, and I know I don't know if we're going right into the squall twenty-two, but I guess this kind of relates to it. So uh, I don't know, Bo. I know you don't no. like me uh, imp- improvising, and well, I, I just have to say a big picture thought. After it, it is fascinating to me what is happening with the identity of this offense, and you guys talked about it during the post-game pod. This is officially, and it's not just based on this last game. I know weather played a factor. Based on the first eight games of the season. This is a hashtag establish the run offense. Mm. I mean, I was looking up some numbers that were eye popping and I might try to write about this uh, on the athletic. This is a, this is a subscriber only pod, right? No, no, oh, it's one not. Friday. Friday oh, it's a freebie. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to give you a little nugget then. Mm, all right. Tease it. All, all, I've got some numbers. I've got some numbers. Yeah, you think I'm giving all of it out? I don't think so. Okay, but here's the big one that I looked up. So, uh, you know, there are different ways to gauge whether a team is run heavy or not. You want to adjust for situation. And so what I did was I looked at 
uh, situations where a team is either leading or trailing by seven points or fewer, you know, so it's a one possession game. And I just looked up first and you second don't go down. eight points, huh? I, I feel like I saw someone in the analytics community say we shouldn't look at uh, okay. eight points. I believe as it. A one just, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, it's, I, I'm, I think if I changed it to eight, it wouldn't make that much of a difference. <laughs> I'm sure that it wouldn't. Yeah. So I looked up uh, that uh, scoring margin and then just first and second down, right? Because, you know, yep. people are throwing the ball on third down. Where do you think the Eagles rank on oh, uh, in terms of running the football on first and second down in those situations? You, you, you don't have to give me a percentage. You can if you want, but just league-wide rank. I'm going to guess. Great. I was going to guess fourth. Number two. Oh, my God. Between, behind the 49ers? Bill Callahan oh. and the Washington football team. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is, is that amazing? Less I than the nine, more than the Niners. Oh, more than the Niners. The, oh. it is, the, the Niners actually, I think, do a good job. They run the ball a lot, but I think on early downs they do a good job of using uh, play action. They are just ahead of the Raiders. That's pathetic. John Gruden, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, who who are riding Leonard Fournette. And uh, so, if you want to, and the Vikings, like. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I just looked up the yeah, top yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you're looking as a, at a point of comparison, well, you know, they, you know, I'm here, all these things. Well, you know, the, the talking heads are saying they're in that Super Bowl year. Hey, this was the formula. Yeah, tell us no. how they were the last couple of years. Uh, it, it was not the formula. And so if you look at it, 2018, they were 22nd. Wow. At 48.1%. The Super Bowl season, they were 31st. Love it. 45.1%. And so I'm just trying to figure out. I can't believe you know. Sure, you I have know to land base these bad boys. L- who? The Eagles. Ah, uh, okay. I want you well, to show I'm, up to Doug's press conference, and I want like a, I want a full interrogation. Well, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, he knows what he's he knows he's doing this. Well, what? I think it. I don't know what it tells us. I mean, I know they don't have Deshaun Jackson, but. Uh, as I've said before, I think we've sort of overstated just how bad the supporting cast is. I mean, you have a Pro Bowl tight end. You have a dynamic receiving threat uh, at running back. You have a second-round pick at another tight end spot. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, I still think he's a starting caliber uh, receiver. He was making catches against Tredavious White in that game. He's not what he used to be. He's not aesthetically pleasing, but he is a starting caliber receiver. Your slot receiver is the guy who you started in the slot uh, during your Super Bowl season. And I know these guys aren't playing great, but it is just kind of fascinating to me how they are uh, approaching this offense with Carson Wentz. I keep thinking about um, Sean Payton last year and and what he told Peter King in the Monday morning quarterback after the Eagles Saints game. And he was mocked for by Eagles fans. Uh, But but the I think the game plan was was to put the game on, uh, you know, on on Wentz. And, And the point being that. When the Eagles are a, a one-dimensional offense, um, they're not nearly as effective. And uh, I, I don't know if, if, if that message also came through from the, from the Eagles analytics department to Doug Peterson. Uh, but if you look at the two best games they played this year, the Packers game and the Bills game, it was the same formula where they, they trusted their offensive line. They trusted their running backs. And it's not that they made Carson be a game manager, but basically they just – it is kind of like that, I think. Important third downs, you know? And, yeah. and, and they trusted him on third down, basically. 
Yeah, it's a weird way to play. I don't I don't believe it's a sustainable way to play. It's a weird way to play with a guy you just paid a ton of money. With a guy you just paid Absolutely. a ton of money and a defense that's not very good. Right. I mean, if you, if you had the 49ers defense or the Patriots defense, then okay. Maybe you're just giving yourself the best chance to win here, but uh, it, it is just odd. And you are right, Zach. The four, I mean, this game was exactly like that Packers game. It was the offensive line dominated. They ran the ball. They counted on Wentz to make a, a few plays here. And again, this one was, just, you know, the weather. I, I understand if it was just this one game, I wouldn't be making this point. But the data we have from an eight-game sample size is, uh, is pretty revealing. Now, what if, if this is dictated by the offensive line? Uh, and because I had spent a lot of time thinking about this during the past 24 hours and I, I don't know this to be the case, I hope, but, but, I, hope I hope you had a little <laughs> bit of time to like, th- you know, think about your family and, and some other stuff. I hope this wasn't the main thing on your mind. Well, it wasn't the main, well, it, it was among the main things on my mind. Yeah. I mean, this is my job. I take a lot of pride in my job. Uh, but, uh, if, if from their evaluation, this offensive line is considerably better in run protection or in run blocking than in pass protection. I don't know that to be the case, and I'm not an evaluator. Um, but the the uh, quotes that were coming out of the, out of the kind of the coaching staff, I felt like after the Dallas game was a lot about the need to give Carson time. And I just wonder if 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 they feel this line plays 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 better when they're run blocking. Might be the case. I mean, they they they. Did a good job in run blocking, but I don't see this as like a below average pass blocking offensive line. I so, agree. Well, they better. Yeah, I mean, I well, they better not be like if they can't. If you can't trust this offensive line to pass block for Carson Wentz, then what? Like, what are we doing here? What? What is the point of the team? Yeah, the way that it's been so, built. Uh, you know, I think that. Yeah, it, I, that doesn't mean that that's not what they're thinking. But if that is what they're thinking, that's uh, that's pretty damning. Yeah, and I think, you know, the analytics play, I, I mean, all the analytics research suggests this is not the way to play, especially when you have a quarterback like this. But I don't know. I, I, I'm, uh, it's tough to make sense of what they know internally. Are they trying to buy time till Deshaun comes back? Is it sort of game plan oriented and they're trying to figure things out? And, you know, a month from now we'll be saying, man, remember that dumb conversation we had on the Tuesday night after the Bills game? All I mean, this those is a, but are, it's a full half of the season. So. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yep. Maybe they're Shield just waiting for Darren Sproles that, to get back. <laughs> <laughs> um, does it surprise you that it came from Carson's mouth? Yeah, I mean, yeah, me. what both of you guys said. Yeah, after, I, I mean, Doug, Doug and Carson, right? That this is the yep. formula. Um, and, the you know, even that, yeah, the recipe. So it, uh, it is surprising. So we'll see what happens. But the, the numbers are, uh, are very fascinating, I thought. All right. Um, yeah. Before we get to the rest of the Squall 22, Zach, anything from uh, Doug yesterday or... Uh, the coordinators today that you think we need to unpack and not from the locker room. Cause there was like one guy in there. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I will be concise here. Uh, the, the big thing. And then you see this in our beat back and forth as well is that the Sean Jackson uh, is going to return to practice this week. There's some optimism that he'll be able to play. Uh, you can expect to see Avante Maddox on the practice field this week. He practiced a bit last Friday. I think he'll play. Um, you will see Miles. Well, I don't know how much Miles Sanders will practice, but there's not much concern with his shoulder injury. It's going to take a little bit more time for Nigel Bradham and Tim Jernigan, and don't expect to see Jason Peters anytime soon, at least. Uh, but that's kind of the injury update. Uh, Scrolls my, my as well. Scrolls is that, on yes. sort of the Deshaun track. Exactly. Uh, my personal side is I'm 
curious to see how they approach this game with the bye week thereafter. There's kind of two schools of thought. One, you kind of wait um, until after the bye to make sure everyone's completely right. Uh, the other is that they can play and you have two weeks to recover. So I'm curious to see how they approach the bye week. Yeah, I think I would be surprised if Deshaun plays this week. Interesting. Interesting. Just given how how uh, conservative they've been with him throughout, you know, what's the point of, of pushing him this week if you think that he could re-injure it? I don't know. I don't know either. I'm, I, but I okay. I just keep hearing optimism that he might play. So. All right, Sheila, why don't we get to your uh, your thoughts on uh, the eye in the sky that never lies? Well, the one play that really stood out to me that I, I kind of just watched before. Uh, I came on was in the late in the third quarter, 221 left. The Bills had a third down. They were like approaching the red zone. Uh, I think it was a. Is this the Darby pass breakup? Right before that. That okay. was fourth down. So the third down before that, the Eagles, uh, I, I think at that point it was a one possession game, I want to say. Or 24-13 maybe? Yeah, I think 24-13. Yeah, 24-13. Okay. Uh, the Eagles had a complete miscommunication slash coverage bust <laughs> on the left side of the defense where Jalen Mills and uh, Sidney Jones, both, it was man coverage and they had, a, you know, the Bills went motion Cole Beasley to that side. They both cover Cole Beasley. Tyler Croft, I believe it was. Ooh. Tight end the running a corner a corner route, touchdown, Whoa. easiest throw Josh Allen would have made all day. Allen does not see him. He 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 one read and he's off. He's running. Brandon Graham sack. Nice. Yeah, so that, Jim Schwartz talked about this play. Oh, he did. Today, oh, actually. tell me. Yeah. Tell me. Ooh, I wasn't in um, Schwartz today. Yeah, and, and Schwartz basically said that the pass rush covered up the coverage mistake there. He was uh, he was talking about the importance of an effective pass rush. And he said that the pass rush can cover up a lot of things. And he mentioned uh, a play. He didn't mention that one in the detail you did, but he, he, he gave the same examples of how he said we had one play. We missed a switch with our corner and our nickel. Oh, yeah. And we cut a guy loose down the field <laughs> nice. wide open. Safety was coming over, but it was going to be a big gain. But the pass rush covered that up. We got a sack on the play. A, lesser, a, better, a better quarterback probably doesn't make that mistake is, is basically uh, what you're telling me. Uh, I am going to. Uh, I feel like now I have to. I have to write something up on on the Eagles and post this clip, and I will let you and the readers and the listeners decide. I, I, I you know, I, I think if you make the case that the pass rush had been good all day, and that's why Allen, you know, whether if you want right. to call it seeing ghosts yeah. or whatever, the cumulative effect of the pass rush. If you take that isolated play. Uh, I thought he, he ran, he took off and he basically ran into the sack. You know, I mean, there was some pressure, but I thought, yeah, I, I think your assessment is right. I think uh, above average quarterbacks in the NFL would have seen that. And that's a touchdown. And that's a huge play. That's 24 yeah. 20 at the end of the third quarter. If, uh, if he makes that throw, I mean, Croft is running down the field with his hand in the air and the <laughs> ball, the ball never, uh, never comes his way. So, uh, that was just a, you know, I, I love when I'm watching and like something like that happens that I was not able to see. And it's so that's funny. Good. If you like listen that. to the TV broadcast, 
that they actually actually this is interesting based on what Schwartz said because they go uh well yeah you know he had some time but the coverage was just too good or something <laughs> which I, I'm not ripping them it's right. it's really hard to see these things live but I mean I, I think that uh, Moose Johnson was making the case for that being a coverage sack which would kind of go against what uh, what Jim Schwartz thought that it was so that that was a very interesting play to me and then the, the next play that throw that Darby breaks up that was a bad throw and it, it, it totally held up in the wind it looked like to me that was okay. that was like an example of that would have been a completion if not for the wind I think yes the middle of the field was wide open the safety went to the other side to help and it was uh Darby against John Brown I think one-on-one and it wasn't like terrible coverage or anything no, but, but the ball know. just sort of holds up there a little yes. bit yeah yeah, if that's one where a like 75, 75th percentile throw there is uh, is probably going to be a touchdown or at least a big game. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. Uh, anything else from uh, from the defense? Uh, from the defense, they they did play a lot of uh, man coverage, it, like and the I most this... they played in a in a long time. Actually, after the game, Ronald Darby said to me uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of cover one in this game. It was like I was going back to my roots. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think, I think this is important because I think this is what they're going to do on Sunday against the bears. I mean, I think Mr. one of you made it. Yeah. Did one of you compare the two? Because they are, I think they are comparable Trubisky and Josh Allen. I mean, these guys are not going to sit back there to go through, uh, their reads and find the open receiver and dissect you with their arms. And Trubisky's playing so poorly right now. And that offense is just like in turmoil and a complete mess. So I, d- I don't think you want to play zone and give him easy throws. I know you want to, you know, the one bad part about playing man against a mobile quarterback is that you have your backs to the line of scrimmage so he can take off. But, uh, what they did at times in this game, was play that sort of robber. I don't know if you want to call it robber coverage or spy or whatever, but basically Nate Gary or Andrew Sandejo is kind of in the lower middle part of the field and they can take away crossing routes or slants, or they can keep their eyes on the quarterback where if he uh, takes off and, and runs, then they're there to bring him down. So I think that's like the exact formula uh, that they should play uh, this upcoming week against the bears. And I know I criticized Nate Gary last week, so I should say that I thought he played a lot better, uh, in this game. I thought their linebackers played pretty well, actually in this game. You know, this was a game where you kind of needed them. Uh, I thought the front seven, are you with me on, on TJ Edwards? I thought he had some nice moments. Where were you on TJ? I think he's their best run, uh, defender of the linebackers. Um, I, I didn't see anything that would make me go that far, but I, he okay. did make some nice plays against the run. Okay. Yeah. Schwartz was uh, happy with how he played. He's active. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think you might be right. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, that he, he could be, I don't think that's a crazy statement. And I okay. thought uh, Gary did a good job and yeah, their, their linebackers were more active than they've been. Having. Now, Tamu's been a little Duke? quiet. Yeah. We have, were you asking about Duke Riley? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah what, so Schwartz explained that in, and, and and so Schwartz actually, uh, he he volunteered that um, that Duke Riley and T.J. Edwards gave them good snaps. Mm. What happened was that was dictated by the Bills personnel. He said Bills were playing um, some some two tight end, two back, one receiver. Right, and, and we they saw, we saw this against the Vikings field. as well, actually. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. So so that's why you saw Duke Riley, but it sounded like Jim was happy with how both of those guys looked because that wasn't one of those questions where. It was like, what did Duke Riley show you? It, it was he volunteered how that uh, specific formation 
allow them to get good snaps out of Riley and Edwards. Well, there were back-to-back snaps, I remember, of Duke Riley. And on one of them, he had the fullback in man coverage, uh, DeMarco, down the sideline. And he did a good good job. He ran with him. He was there. The throw was incomplete. But on the very next play, uh, he was in zone. And I thought he did a bad job. And they threw like a 20-yarder to Croft behind him. And Malcolm Jenkins made the tackle. And I don't remember seeing Riley on the field after that play. I, I mean, I definitely could have just missed him or, uh, you know, it might've been predetermined, but I was thinking like, all right, that, you know, maybe if they're going to play man and it's just like, Hey, go cover that guy on a wheel route or whatever, then we can let him do that. But he's not, uh, he's not kind of on the same page with us in terms of our, our zones and awareness and all that. That's funny. Uh, yeah. how, how about the offense shield? Did I did I accurately uh, defend you on the twenty one personnel thing? Oh, I mean, people tweeting at me. Give me a break, okay? <laughs> First of all, I mean, n- nothing about that play had to do with them being in twenty one personnel. I mean, the matchup you got was Jordan Howard against the linebacker. Right. Uh, he did a fantastic job. If anything, it know? was an argument for le- them rostering a fullback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you could have put Dallas Goddard back there, uh, you know, Zachary, really, you could have put any of those guys back there. And it's it's an old uh, I think Howard Mudd used to tell me he called this a Bob play back on backer. Where okay. It's just uh, the back comes through the hole. Take take the backer out of the play. And then the the other guy runs behind him. And so uh, Howard was great all game. I mean, I really I, I don't know if we're giving him like enough credit. Howard Mudd? No, Jordan Howard. <laughs> Uh, Jordan Howard did a great job. And I mean, I don't know, is that a matchup you want all the time? Is Jordan Howard having to block a linebacker in the hole for the play to be successful? No, but I, I think the one like you, maybe, I don't know if this is true, but you could convince me that, uh, the linebacker was approaching that thinking that maybe Jordan Howard had the ball. So he was more willing to like make the contact himself. So maybe that is a slight argument for an occasional surprise 21 uh, split back set. Okay, fine. Yeah, and in Shield's defense there, uh, Doug was saying that they run that same play uh, and have with a, with a tight end there in the oh, Howard spot. There you uh, go. But they put Howard there to kind of throw off the defense. But, but they, uh, they had the play in in the first half uh, with a tight end and – and they was used. They 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 chose to pass on 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 that play. I guess they had the option at the line, and it was an incompletion to Alshon. Yes, yes. What, what's that? What's that guy's name? Alex Ellis. Is he on the team still? No, no he's he's, uh, he's gone. What happened? Ir. But they signed uh, the. Well, uh, yeah. He was Ir, and then they waved him off Ir. So he's a free agent <laughs> now. Uh, they signed a practice squad tight end yesterday. They the also have Josh Mr. Perkins Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Yes, okay. and they have uh, Joshua Perkins on. on they do still squad, have Perk. They, That's right. We forget about that. Yeah, but they only have two guys on the uh, on the roster. Yeah, only so. two tight ends on the roster. Okay. Well, anyway, that run. Yeah, Howard blocks the linebacker. Jason Kelsey manhandled Tremaine Edmonds, which was interesting because that was. I thought this might have been Kelsey's best game of the year. He Ooh. was crushing. Uh, all game long. And especially I thought it was interesting, Bo, because I remember you said he was really gassing up Tremaine Edmonds, right? I think that was Zach, actually. I said that. Oh, yes. was it you? Okay. Yeah. So you, you were saying Kelsey was gassing up Tremaine Edmonds before the game, correct? Yes. Correct. 
And uh, then during the game, he just like he, <laughs> he was when he got over his him, hands he on him. Yeah, it wasn't just Edmonds. I mean, Edmonds actually, when Edmonds doesn't have a hand on him, he is very impressive. Like his athleticism. There were times where they couldn't uh, get to him, but when like Kelsey got to him, and Kelsey was doing this to like the defensive tackles too. Uh, he was like at the heart, and I, I thought of a lot of their uh, big plays. He played uh, really well in this game. Let me see what else do I have here. Uh, dum da Oh, S- Sydney Jones, I thought did, uh, did not play well. It was <laughs> not <you>. obvious. <laughs> well, I don't think it was obvious during the game. I, you know, I heard you guys during the post game pod and it was kind of confusing, but there was that drive where they gave up the three, yes. uh, third downs and the one he gets beat by Beasley one-on-one, uh, for 21 yards. That's the one that stuck in my mind. But even the other one, I'm pretty sure was his fault. Uh, I have to watch it again or I'm trying to get confirmation, but they were in zone and he was sort of a, a flat underneath defender and the, he gives up the pat, you know, the pass goes over his head and Jalen Mills makes the tackle. But if you watch it after that play, Jalen Mills is like on the ground on his knees and he just stares at Sidney Jones <laughs> for like a prolonged period of time. Sometimes when you're like me, you don't know all the nuances of this stuff. You look for little signs yeah. like that. And, uh, I, I think Sidney Jones has to get more depth there, uh, into his job and at least make that pass a little bit more difficult. And even on the, uh, you know, it was the play to a uh, Singletary that that was the third, third down, right. That went for the touchdown. The touchdown. Yes. Uh, uh, that to me looked like a coverage bust. I'm not sure. I, I don't know what, it, I mean, it was a zero blitz. And it then an like. ugly missed tackle too. It was a missed tackle by McLeod. Uh, I didn't love sort of the, you know, rem- did you do the story bow on the no loafing or was that me? I legitimately can't you. remember. That was you. It was me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the, the defensive backs had that board, right? If you loaf, yeah. you, and, uh, I don't know, that looked like a low from Sidney Jones to me. I, I don't like Ooh. call out, you know, Hey, you know, poor effort, but it seemed like he could have been doing a little bit more to at least try to make a play there. All right. Uh, before we get to the, uh, bird and edgewises, do you have any more notes on the, uh, on the podcast? On the podcast. Well, this was your dream. You you were trying to get me for three years to do a podcast in the car. I never knew why. I don't I think that why. that's true. I think that I think oh, it was that's actually true. it was your idea to do it driving to Minneapolis. Okay. Well, that might have been one time, but I swear you brought it up like at least fifteen times. I don't think I, that's I, true. Okay, it is true. So yeah, I'm the reliable narrator. <laughs> you couldn't even so. remember the own your the story you wrote yourself. Well, I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I like the I like the the podcast set up in the car. I think if you could set up something where there was like a mic that went on the dashboard, so that you know you didn't have to keep. Yeah, sort of... it, w- it was very me talk, you talk, me talk, you talk. Yeah, yeah. no, I, that wasn't even bad. But sometimes I felt like Zach wanted to jump in, and then right. you know the first part of his sentence we couldn't totally hear. Uh, butt warmer, how nice are those things? Oh, so good. My current car, first one I've got with that bad boy, and I, I don't think I'll ever get a car without that again. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Zach, you said you were clip reading. Uh, what year is this? <laughs> what, is, what, is clip, what is clip reading? Is like the PR staff puts together those packets? Is that what you uh, well, were doing? It's, it's the expression for, for, for reading the out-of-town stories. The out, uh, it's like out-of-town clips. You're, you, you go through and you read the stories on the other team to try to have a sense of... of the team. Um, okay. I admit that uh, earlier, my first like five or six years on this beat, I was doing that like Monday, Tuesday. Um, and 
uh, this last week, at least I didn't get around to it until Saturday morning. Um, so I, I, uh, I was a little embarrassed by that, but yeah, I, I always try to have a good sense of what's going on with the other team. So Clipper. Okay. Did. Yeah. Cause the PR staffs will put together packets, right. Of the, their stories for of the, the day. Not yeah, for us. I, for the yeah, for internal internal. use. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was always so offended by. I felt like I never got in those things. You know, I hadn't like reached the status where, uh, you know, my, my stuff got in there. So I'm anti, uh, you know, the term clip reading and all that. So I had that, that kind of struck me. How about the DoorDash read? Where'd that bad boy come from? Mm, we got another one. We got another one today. That's already been read. Little, t- little do you know. Oh, okay. I, I yeah. look forward to it. Welcome, it was uh, pointed out to me that, that you guys are big time now. You got DoorDash. Not that, that there was anything wrong with, with the other ads. We have why don't we, You know what? Why don't we just do it now organically? You want to do it? Well, I know this much that I'm going to sign up for DoorDash with the birds promo code, and I'm going to uh, order some DoorDash this weekend. Right sure. now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code BIRDS. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code BIRDS. Don't forget that's promo code BIRDS for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Very good. Uh, You're supposed to spell it out. That's what I hear on these podcasts. You say, <laughs> you know, B-I-R-D-S. I think our listeners yeah. of Birds with Friends should hopefully <laughs> know how to spell BIRDS. Uh, it took Bo until the 47-minute mark to, like, thank Zach or compliment him for the dro- making this drive while doing the podcast. And, and I thought that was a bit much. And then and it was now I know, will say Zach was the one who pushed for it and it was the right decision, but he was the one who wanted to do the driving pod. Yeah. I just thought you could have, you know, mentioned something in the public sphere there. I appreciate you know. it. I did. I did also, uh, well, well, hold on. Then, you know, you're in your hotel room doing the clothes and then you mentioned how he was sort of a herky jerky <laughs> driver. Yeah. Yes, I like, thought that was kind of in bad taste. <laughs> yes. Well, that may be that may be so, uh, but you know you got to call it like you see it when you're when you're when you're hosting the show. You got to you know give give what you describe what you see. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, what'd you say? My wife agreed with the, the, the description. <laughs> uh, it did. Uh, generally speaking, I would hate to be in the passenger seat. I would much rather drive. So, hosting the podcast was a nice distraction from not being the one to drive. Okay, there you go. All right, I'll let. I know you have to go soon. So I should uh, also apologize to, to to Zach for the, you know, front seat driving. I would I would hate that if I were in his. Yeah, shoes, I but, thought that was no but, problem. But I was but I was trying to describe the scene for our listeners. That was more of a public service than than anything else. All right, let's get to a a quick uh, getting a bird in edgewise. We solicited some uh, woodpecker you rather's, and we've got uh, woodpecker you rather. She'll share the pizza or kiss the ring. Uh, share the pizza mm, from Kill a Cow. Uh, Woodpecker, you rather from Defop Ryan. Uh, Woodpecker, you rather do every podcast in the car together, even if you could be at home. You have to drive around for the length of the pod, or drive to and from every game you have to cover. No flying and shield. You have to pretend like you're back covering the team. <laughs> well, that's easy, right? Dude, I would rather do the pod. In the Absolutely, car. yeah. That's it. That that's sounded kind of fun. One. Yeah. I would have to drive, though. I would like to be the one driving. Yeah, I'm driving next time. Uh, woodpecker, you rather the only pizza you can eat for the rest of your life is uh, Chicago style, or you replace all cheese in your life with Cheese Whiz? Firm, what do you think? I'll take Chicago style, then replacing all cheese with Cheese Whiz. 
Yeah, I my... gotta say, when, when we get a good one, I it like really eats up. This one I I thought was very difficult. Oh, you think so? I think this is yeah. easy. I, I like I love pizza, and I and my my opinions on on deep dish are uh, well established at this point. But I love like all kinds of cheese too much for it to be nothing but cheese whiz. I'd have uh-huh. to go with the deep dish. See, I thought this was difficult because pizza is in the rotation once a week minimum for me. Mm. And the thought of having to eat, not that I don't like a deep dish, I like it on occasion, but the thought of having to eat that once a week for the rest of my life, (laughs) a cheese whiz isn't that bad. I don't know. But so, but well, well, hold on, because, well, hold on, there's a problem with the question because there's regular cheese on regular pizza, so... Are you are you accidentally signing up for a life of regular pizza with cheese whiz instead of mozzarella? No, I think you get the. No, I'm confused. Hmm. I think we've okay. I think we've we've we found a hole in this one. I think I would rather have I would rather have any type of pizza the rest of my life, and I'll I'll deal with the cheese whiz. Okay. There's no hole in the question. It it, it makes complete sense. Yeah, because, I thought so too. Yeah, I was trying to you could have it. if you have the deep dish pizza, then you can have any type of cheese you right. want. Exactly. Yeah, yeah but if you but, don't have oh, the deep dish pizza and you so you want your regular favorite type of pizza, but that yeah, regular type of pizza has to that, it's gonna be cheese whiz. Yeah, because the only cheese that exists is cheese. Oh, whiz. yeah. Oh well, then no one would choose that. Well, exactly. Oh, all right. Well, that made it easier. Okay. Uh, Woodpecker, you rather uh, read Underdogs, the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles' emotional road to Super Bowl victory, available wherever books are sold, or watch the Eagles on Amazon's All or Nothing? Which uh, it came out today. The Eagles are featured this this season on All or Nothing, which uh, definitely not to their liking. Is there going to be a more censored version of any of those types of shows than this one? That's a good question. I mean, the Raiders. I mean, one the was team gets censored. to decide, right? The team gets to decide what gets shown. I believe so. Well, now I, I think the the team has say in it, but it's not produced by the team. So okay. Look, I mean, I I I love my book, and I'm very. Uh, Loyal to my book, and I hope all our, our, our readers listen to but it. But we've already but read. Just, we, all of us have already read it, right? <laughs> but I can't wait to watch this all or nothing. Um, you because... you might schedule a new honeymoon just so you can see Mike Rowe again. <laughs> um, to no, somewhere I, in Asia. I I can promise you that there is going to be uh, next August when it comes out, or, or next July rather when it comes out. You are going to have the all the the ultimate viewing guide available on the Athletic. I am going to break down each episode the way like Alan Seppenwald does the Sopranos. Like I, I am going to have that's that. good. You got to hit those. You got to hit those minimums. It's well, good no, July I, content. I, no, it it, <laughs> it it could be any month. I'm just saying I am going to. You know, I I think there might be some reporters who like ignore it, pretend it it, it doesn't exist. Oh no, I think it will be fascinating. Not, yeah, I am. I am fascinated by getting behind the closed doors. Now, what's interesting is uh, about this is that they release them all at once. And I don't know why they do this. They really, I'm sure it takes a while to produce, but they release it at a very weird time. You know, it's in, uh, it, it, like you said, it's in July when you're already looking ahead to the next year. It's sort of an appetizer for hard knocks, but I'm all in on that too. I'm with you, Zach. I will do, uh, if we want to do uh, episode pod. Oh, that's a good, that's a know, good idea. I'll do a pod for every episode. I think what we have to do really is binge it like you got to binge it right away and then write about it right away. Right. I mean, I don't know, maybe yes, we can absolutely. split up the episodes or something, but uh, like, the, yeah, it's sort of like how 
basketball players want to be uh, rappers and rappers want to be basketball mm. players. I think there's a little bit of that with like sports writers wanting to be TV writers and TV writers. Want, at least for me, yeah, personally, I think that's right. I would yeah. much, much rather be uh, a TV writer. So yeah, I'm very excited about this too. Uh, I, I think uh, if nothing else from the athletic in uh, 2020, I think we will have the best all or nothing coverage. But uh, I was saying in the media house today that, you know, so for our, our listeners, we, we have to sign a bunch of like releases before the season begins. And it's, it's, it's like rules in the locker room or the press box or, or whatnot. Uh, And they're kind of boilerplate. So you read through it quickly, but I got to see, I don't think we signed something that like releases us for (laughs) the show. And so the cameras, uh, you, we, I've noticed cameras. I thought they were with the team. Uh, throughout the uh, season here, um, I ask some like questions that are poorly worded, or <laughs> that you know maybe there's a day when I forgot to shave and I didn't realize it was it was going to be on, to impress from like, now on. international television. You know? Yeah, so we are going to be in this, and I wish that they gave us a little heads up. Yeah, I'm showing up in a suit every time I come <laughs> yeah. down from now on. And watch what you say in that media house. You don't know where those cameras are. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. You they really should have got everyone credit around the TV watching Orlando Scandrick. That would have, might have been a nice scene. That would have been a good scene. You're right. Uh, Woodpecker, you rather you never use real names when you refer or talk to anybody. So you have to call them like chief or, uh, or sport or kiddo, as Casey Young <laughs> says, or be universally recognized everywhere you go by everyone. Could be positive or negative, but you don't know why. Oh, first one. That's easily easy. the first one. I mean, I do that most of the time anyway. Oh, that's rude. I'm just, it's not even like a, it's not even like a, hey, chief. It's just like, oh, hey, how you doing? Like, I, we don't need, I don't need, you know, I know your name. You're, no, I think Zach is good about saying people's names, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I'm, I'm real big on saying well, people's Zach, names. Zach, but... Zach is good at it, but he does it with like, he, you know, he does it with like servers and stuff. He goes, he, he does the like, read your name tag and then address you by your name thing. Oh, you do do that, huh? Yeah. Yeah, is that a problem? I've always thought that to be a little bit odd. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little bit <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not it's just uh, better you than me is how I feel about it. That's I, a step too far in the relationship <laughs> for me. No, I think it, it makes someone feel good when you refer to them by their name. I don't know about that. <laughs> I would like to ask them. Yeah, I think I'd like to ask them too. But uh, <laughs> but in this example, I will take I I will not use the name to have some anonymity every now and then. <laughs> All right, we will close with a, a football question. Woodpecker, you rather have the Eagles' defense on the field up four or the Eagles' offense on the field down two in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter? I'll, I'll jump Reeves. in here. Um, I, I would rather my offense have the ball down two with two minutes to go. You only need to get in field goal range. I, I don't know where you're starting, but uh, it, would, it would seem to me that uh, you have a better chance of winning the game in that situation than you would the defense having uh, having the ball and a chance to score. Well, the defense has been very good, though, right, still at the end of games? I mean, the Super Bowl year, what was it? They didn't give up, like, a, a touchdown in the last two minutes the entire mm-hmm. season or something, right? Um, so I can see why the question was asked, but I agree. I would still uh, take the establish the run offense. <laughs> yeah, two minutes is enough time to run, like, six plays, <laughs> six runs, right? <laughs> six a couple spikes. Runs. Scramble right. here and there. Yeah, you yeah, can exactly. get it. You'll go range. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. 
Uh, we will be back with you on Friday to preview the Bears game before the Eagles head to their bye. Hold on, real quick. Just I, I think every podcast we need to plan for right before you have to do a WIP hit so that we have a heart out. This is beautiful. So, yeah. Yes, I know. This o'clock. this yeah. would have gone another 35 minutes. So here we are. But for Sheila and Bo, or for Sheila and Zach, I'm Bo, and as always, we love you. <laughs>